0: You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to World Spirituality, exploring the unity within all cultures and faith traditions with your host, Rev. Paul John Roach.
1: So hello and welcome to World Spirituality on the Unity Online Radio Network. Yes, I'm your host, Paul John Rhodes, coming to you from Fort Worth in Texas. And today is the last in our eight-week series on the subject of unity and world religions. And to be honest, I don't want it to end. You know, it's been so much fun. Um, of course, I could do a second series on all the religions that we didn't cover in our eight-week series because um, it's hard to get to everything. I focused on the, the major world religions, but there's other religions that would be equally fascinating, I think, like Jainism and Sikhism uh, in, in India, Shinto in Japan, uh, Confucianism, uh, Zoroastrianism and, and Baha'i and, and many others. Anyway, maybe that's something for the future. Today, we'll take a look at primal religions and especially uh, shamanic practices. And I'm joined by Pataraj, who has degrees in Slavic languages and literature and in education. A teacher and educator, uh, she's taught classes on meditation techniques, the chakra system, Qigong, and self-healing at Texas Christian University and other settings. And is also a labyrinth facilitator. Um, Pat, Pat is a member of Unity Fort Worth, um, where I used to minister for many years, and we've known each other for several years. So it's a joy to welcome Pat Deraj to today's show. Welcome, Pat.
0: Thank you. It's a joy to be here.
1: You know, it's a sort of a catch-all um show today because all the things that we didn't cover in the first you know seven weeks are are thrown into this one but but i really did want to look specifically you know at primal religions um, which is the term that's often used these days you know primal meaning first right or original um essential um religions that are you know we might call them native spiritualities um the spiritualities of first peoples if we're talking about usa or, or canada um people the indigenous peoples of this world that have their own uh, spiritual systems and it seems to me tell me if i 'm right um it seems to me that a lot of the uh, commonalities there uh, amongst those primal religions are to do with uh you know the connection being made between this world and the and the spirit world right between the world of Quote, ordinary reality, and then the, the world of limitless um, possibility, the, the world of spirit. And, and often the shaman is the sort of um, the, the mediator, right, between those two worlds. Is, is, is that a fair summation?
0: Yes, I would say that the shaman keeps the balance between, between those worlds. Right. Through uh, ritual and through ceremony. And but not just the shaman, also the the ordinary people with all of their rituals.
1: So, the Uh, you know, yeah, you know, I was thinking about when you said that I was thinking about the, um, you know, the Native American uh, First Peoples idea of the hoop of the world, you know, this this idea of the circle and they they draw mandalas similar to, you know, the mandalas you might find in the in the in in Asia, right? Um, this uh, this idea of wholeness and completeness.
0: Exactly, and so what a shaman does is, when the circle becomes broken, they they have ways to complete the circle, to repair the circle, to bring back the missing part. And sometimes, sometimes a, a ritual or a ceremony can be forgotten, or in modern times people have forgotten why they may do something and then not remember why they're doing it. There's a wonderful story in in my favorite book uh, by the, the author is telling about how she goes camping with her family. And she would see that in the morning when they would wake up, her father would make coffee. And before he would drink it, he would pour some of the coffee on the earth every morning before before he drank it. And she would ask him about it, and he wasn't aware of why he was doing it. He couldn't remember why he was doing it. And that really bothered her. And she looked she learned about sacred tobacco offering, which is a very, a very common offering. You offer the tobacco to the earth out of respect and gratitude for uh, the land and for everything uh, it offers, that's the reciprocity. And it's like, she says that it's like the offering saying, we offer it and we say, here we are. And the land says back to you, here are the ones who know how to say thank you. Mm. Here are the ones who know how to say, we reciprocate all that you have given us. And it's not, um, it's, you're not giving a lot because the earth has everything. The earth already has everything, so what can we give the earth? But you're giving something of yourself to the earth in these small rituals. There are uh, the people in the Andes in Peru, when they meet each other on a path, on a mountain trail, they give each other a little branch of coca leaves. To them, coca leaves are very sacred. And so they exchange a branch of coca leaves and then they turn to the nearest sacred mountain and they blow across the leaves towards the mountain. Mm -hmm. What they're doing is they're giving the mountain the essence of the plant and Knowing that the energy of that plant is going to come back to them, but that's also an act of reciprocity. So I think reciprocity is a very important concept that has to do with primal religions.
1: And that would fit, of course, into our into our third principle in unity, right? This the idea of the law of mind action. You know, thoughts held in mind produce after their kind. the 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 idea of what you reap what you sow so shall you reap etc what goes around comes around so the same idea reciprocity is that idea we're connected right that uh, everything's part of this this hoop or this wheel of the world and um every action is sacred in that sense yeah and uh, yeah and if we we lose that um And I've talked about this on the show before, you know, when when nature, for instance, Mother Nature becomes just a commodity or a resource rather than something sacred, then we lose out too. We lose our um, sense of what is sacred in our own lives because, you know, then we become just creatures of commodification, you know, and and money and uh, economics rather than being attached to something Deeper, right? And, then, and I love what you said too about it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's it's a it's a moment of mindful remembrance, if you like. It's um, it's not like we have to give everything up to follow this. It's just making it a part of your everyday, right? Making it a natural thing. Just pouring a little bit of your coffee. So did he ever find remember why he poured the coffee? Then that, that's the start of the
0: story. <laughs> um, what he remembered was that the way they used to cook coffee the grounds would get stuck in in the spout and so he would have to pour some of it out
1: <laughs> in, in order
0: to in order to get coffee without grounds but <laughs> but it related back to the tobacco offerings and and it became a ritual for him even though he was completely unaware of why he was doing it
1: right was, interesting that was
0: still in him still passed down from his ancestors
1: Right. So you said it was your favorite book. What is the book?
0: Yes. It's uh, Braiding Sweetgrass by Robin Wall Kimmerer.
1: Mm, interesting. I love yeah, the she's, name. The she's title.
0: Anish- she's Anishina- Anishinaabe, a scientist. She's a professor. And she has learned how to speak the language of her ancestors, or one of the languages, which is Potawatomi. Yeah. A wonderful, wonderful book. So yeah. I recommend it.
1: Yeah, thank you. I've never come across it, so I'm going to look out for that. That's great. You know, one thing that, that I like about uh, primal spiritualities that, and, and the examples you're giving as well it, is that it's very um, down to earth. You know, it's it's very embodied, isn't it? It's, um, you know, sometimes in unity. Um, we, we talk a lot about uh, new thought and uh, divine mind and, uh, you know, the fact we can change our lives by changing our minds and our consciousness, which is very true and wonderful. Um, but sometimes I, I feel we can get too much into our heads. You know, we, we're too much using words and ideas and, and thoughts uh, rather than grounding ourselves in direct experience. And I think we all yearn for that. You know, that's why there's a yoga studio. Um, and other modalities, you know, on, on every quarter these days, because I think people are yearning for, to be in their bodies again. And so I think there's something that unity can learn from primal spiritualities is uh, is to make it very, um, you know, very real, very, very. Um, I wouldn't say, uh, maybe it is ordinary, very ordinary, but you know, to sanctify the ordinary.
0: Exactly. And that's, that's why I brought... Uh not why I brought, I did not bring it. I took over an active meditation class at Unity Fort Worth. Mm-hmm. And, and that was all about involving the body in, in meditation. We would dance, we would chant, we would uh, do Qigong. That's where I started teaching my Qigong classes was in the active meditation class. And it's it's all about integrating the mind, the body, the spirit, the emotions
1: right absolutely there's nothing wrong with the mind is there there's nothing wrong with having these no. thoughts and using affirmation it's just they're not the only thing that's that's the that's the idea here and the, the, there's that holism so if if uh, we, we were looking at the five principles in relation to uh, the religion that we are studying um, in terms of God if you could sum up the the First Peoples, uh, I know, again, it's a very vast subject. I know it's, it's difficult to generalize, but it seems to me that there's this concept not of a a personage, right, but of a spirit. You know, um, Wakantaka, I think they call it in, in the Sioux Nation, right, the great mm-hmm. spirit. Yes. Um, this idea that uh, the shamans are in touch with the spirit, which is everywhere present, right? It's There's no limit to it.
0: There's no limit to it. It's, it's in everything. And it's, it's like with the, the Andean people, it's in, in the mountains, it's in the mountains, in the rocks, in the caves, it's in the plants and the animals look at uh, the practice of having totem animals. They're there. You're communing with the spirit of the animal. You're learning from the spirit animal. You're receiving messages through the spirit animal, I remember stories of uh, that. Uh, Wendy, your wife, told me about uh, encounters with spirit animals mm-hmm. and and the lessons received from those encounters. Spiritual messages. We're connected to everything.
1: Yeah, she's particularly fond of, um, of frogs, you yes. know, mm-hmm. as a spirit animal, and the. Uh, We've been seeing quite a few recently in our backyard, and uh, that's always nice when she, you know, gets to see the frogs because they do represent uh, something powerful for her. And um, and I think this is true for ourselves. You know, it's 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 not a question of. Um, well, what does that mean? You find your own meaning, right? Um, it's, yes. it's, there are books you can read that give interpretations, like there are books about dreams, you know, where you interpret the dream and the symbolism. But but ultimately, we have to trust ourselves. And I, I think this is a big part of uh, primal understanding is that you make the connection, right? It's, it's what, whatever it means for you. It might mean something else for somebody else, but for you, it's, it's uniquely that message. And and i think we have to trust ourselves we have to trust our inner wisdom right we some, sometimes we don't we we've lost touch with that We're, that trusting of our own integrity and our own intuitive awareness
0: it it's important to spend time in stillness just observing mm-hmm. when you when you observe nature you realize how powerful it is and it has so much to teach us
1: you know i came across a um a haiku the other day that really spoke to me and I, I, um, I wrote it down if I had to put it up on Facebook. Um, but for me, it, it made a lot of sense right now during COVID-19. It says, when I look closely, when I look closely beneath the, the hedge, mother's heart flowers have mm-hmm. blossomed. And I love that for some reason, because it's very simple, isn't it? There's not a lot happening there. Um, and yet, there's everything happening there. You know, when we look closely, like you said, be still, watch, look um, beneath the hedge. You know, we, normally we're just focused on the problems in our lives, the hedge, the barrier. But beneath the hedge, mother's heart flowers have blossomed. Right? There's there's good things happening, and I love the name mother's heart because it's it's that connection to the the feminine or the receptive, the uh, nurturing. Part of ourselves that's there, that is blo- blossoming, and even in the midst of the the barrier that we might perceive the hedge to be, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that so, there's that connectedness.
0: Sometimes the only way urban people have to be connected is through a pet. Yes. And, and if you really pay attention, that that pet will tell you when it's not feeling well, when it's when it needs something from you. But if you're not paying attention, then you're you're spending hundreds of dollars at the at the vet's office.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, we, we we had a dog for many years, and he passed from cancer, and we were very sad about that. But during the time that we knew him, you know, we we learned so much from the from that pet. I mean, they yeah. they have definite personalities. Um, I remember if I when I used to get, get sad about something. Uh, the, the dog would come to me, you know, and then, and offer me compassion and sympathy. Um, and it's like, that's amazing. You know, or when we got angry, sometimes we have a, a tiff or something, uh, as, as my couple do sometimes, <laughs> the dog would slink away upstairs and know, didn't want to be part of it. And, um highly sensitive, you know, to, to emotion and, and, uh, the higher feelings, you know, the, the emotions that, uh, that are tender. Um, so it, that, that, that really amazed me. I mean, it didn't surprise mm-hmm. me because I, I knew that every living thing has, has awareness, but I was quite uh, moved by the way that, that dog talk about reciprocity, that dog was able to give back to me and to my wife so much you know we provided for it but it provided for us
0: that's beautiful yeah um i once went to a heart meditation retreat and when i came home my cat wanted me to pick him up and he put his head against my heart and did not want to move did not want to move from from that place wow it was my he could tell that my heart had been opened completely in that retreat it's a very beautiful thing
1: absolutely so um you know that sort of links in with our second principle in unity the the you know the nature of, of not just human beings but the nature of the the created order right uh, all living things um the the primal religions would see everything again because Spirit is everywhere. That that we are, you know, essentially of the divine, right? That we are spiritual beings um, connected in that way. We can be cut off, but that's our own choice. And and I don't see a whole lot of um, sin or evil. You know, there's no personage of the devil, is there? In in um, shamanic and primal teachings, uh, it seems like there are devilish forces, but they're really, you know, emanations that for, come from within our own struggle rather than a, a force in and of itself.
0: I, I think that's true. And what I see or what I understand from shamanism is there's a lot of self-responsibility. Yeah. And so, and then when, when you neglect to take responsibility for your own actions. That's when those seemingly evil forces come into play. Right. Yeah.
1: And of course, you know, the, the, the shamans are very much into the, the subconscious, aren't they? You know, the, the realm uh, mm-hmm. between spirit and us is often the subconscious because there's so much going on in those recesses of our being. And and so when you go into those places, you know it's it can be a little scary sometimes, right? There's there's a lot of things buried, hidden there, um, and and it, it's uh, if you're not careful, you know that you you need strength to to manoeuvre through those places. So, you know sometimes they can appear in a very fierce form. I mean I know you know some of the gods and goddesses that associated with this the tantric or left-hand path you know say in tibetan buddhism you know a re- very um scary looking you know and i think that's true <laughs> in the you know sh- uh, shamanism in, in siberia there's these uh, I- images and ent- entities um i know people have talked about the same thing in in south america you know when uh you do ceremonies around sacred herbs and and substances that, uh, you know, you need a, a guide to help you because things come forth that are, that are quite frightening. And so on that subject, what do you think about the use of, um, hallucinogenics and other, uh, herbs and drugs? You know, we have the peyote tradition in, in some, uh, parts of the American Southwest. Um, there's ayahuasca now it's become a popularized thing, you know, from South America, um, in Hinduism, of course, among certain sects, there's a you know big use of uh, marijuana and uh, hashish or whatever. Um, so it's it's got a long tradition, yeah.
0: It, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I laugh because there was a time in my life when I was in college and reading the Carlos Castaneda that I wanted, oh, I wanted so much to try something, uh-huh. so, but very fortunately, I never had the opportunity. <laughs> And uh, the way I feel about it now is that those things can be those things can be helpful. They can help us break through a lot of conditioning, but they're not ultimately they're not necessary. There there are um, other ways. Right, uh, absolutely. Yeah, connecting with the divine, and yes, you do have to go through. You do have to go through darkness, and it's good to have a guide when we're going through darkness. In, in order to transcend, to, resupp- to reach a place of transcendence.
1: I think it was an Indian guru once who said that, you know, the taking of acid or marijuana or whatever, any drug like that um, is, is like opening a door to new possibility. But once the door's been opened, you don't need the drug anymore. You know, you just walk into the room, into the new room. And I think that's... Fairly accurate, you know, because once once we see there is a larger dimension, then the world has changed, right? And we certainly don't need drugs to open the door. But sometimes, you know, they've helped some people, you know, move from three dimensional living to this higher awareness. You know, there's more going on than meets the eye, so to speak. Um, it, it can be helpful, but you know, we, to do it over and over again, uh, when you've already opened the door, it just it doesn't make a lot of sense. You know, to keep keep um, uh, standing on the threshold, right? Um, trying to think that it'll be different this time. I, I think that's the thing with drugs is um, they fool us into thinking that, you know, the more is the more, the better sort of thing. Um, and that doesn't always, not always the case, is it?
0: It's not. It's, uh, but, and, and to me, it's, it's losing respect for the body. You all, all need to stay in balance. Yes and, and once you let, once you let go of that respect for the body, then then uh, you're not going to reach <laughs> where you want to reach.
1: Interesting, I like that. So so in terms of God, God is everywhere present, often a spirit. Um, we are of God. Um, the, the law of mind action of course is key you know, as a key principle throughout all these traditions, right? This idea of reciprocity, um, prayer. Mm-hmm. There's various techniques, of course, as there is anywhere else, any other religion. Um, but prayer, again, to me, it seems, in primal religions, is is very intimate, isn't it? It's very uh, there are there is ritual, but the ritual is is um, aims at really a transformation of our consciousness, right? It's not just praying intellectually again. You know, it's it's a very visceral prayer, and often the prayers uh, I've been in. Um, Sweat lodges, for instance, you know, and the prayers are very intense because you're you're feeling a lot in that heat and that steam and that uh, intensity of that place. And so it's not just a nice little prayer. (laughs) It's 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 it's, I I need this right now because I'm suffering here in this place. Um, So it it really um, it brings it home, makes it real. Uh,
0: Some of the native elders dance their prayers. Yes. Yeah. And uh, the hoop dancers, for instance, very intricate, beautiful dances and their dances tell story. They tell a story about, about the earth and about our connection to it, our connection to the divine.
1: Reminds me of the, um, the, you know, the whirling dervishes in, in the Sufi tradition, right? This idea, and there's a lot of uh, sacred dance throughout the world and, and, and just for us to dance is very um, enlivening isn't it even if you can't dance you know you don't have to know how to dance right no. you can dance in the privacy of your own home and, and uh, get that same feeling a movement is, is wonderful in that regard yeah
0: yeah dancing dancing connects us to our connects our physical body to our energy body and then what happens is the energy rises it's yeah especially with the the sufi dancers in that whirling yes yeah the, the kundalini energy just goes up and up and up and it's it's amazing i've done it before
1: yeah powerful stuff Mm -hmm. folks i'm with pat de we're looking at primal religions the fascination of uh, the shamanic paths when we come back we'll look at some of the ancient pagan religions and then some modern counterparts um so that'll be after these messages from unity join us in a couple of minutes welcome we're glad you found us unity online radio the voice of an awakening world
0: we now return to world spirituality with reverend paul john roach
1: so welcome back to today's show. This is the last show in our eight-week series on unity and world religions, and I'm with Pat Deraj. We're looking at primal religions. We've looked a lot about uh, around the subject of uh, shamanism in the first segment, and in the second segment I want to look uh, at some ancient and new forms of pagan religions. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are interested in, in Norse religions right now because uh, of all the uh, superhero movies and there's been series on the Vikings, et cetera. Um, And uh, Game of Thrones is sort of set in a a sort of a pagan land as well. So uh, it's been fascinating for some people. I I, I came across a a young man who was carrying a, a hammer of, of, uh, Thor I- around his neck um, the other day. I thought that was cool. Uh, so he was embodying that consciousness. Um, and you, you know, the interesting thing for me is that there's many uh, correlations in both Greek, Roman, Norse, and Celtic religions with uh, with Hinduism. So some of the the gods that are represented by, um, like say Thor, the the, the storm god, is also in in India as Rudra. Later on, as Shiva, um, uh, the gods of the mountains, uh, and there's trickster gods, and there's, there's a lot of correlation because they're uh, basically coming from the same tr- Indo European tradition. Um, gods in, the, in these traditions often seem to have a lot of uh, personality, you know. You think about Greek gods always squabbling, etc. Um, so, are they gods? Pat, or are they are emanations of uh, parts of our own psyche? I mean, it, or maybe both, right? I,
0: I think so. I think they're the different facets of God, right? As, as we see God, and <laughs> I remember studying the Finnish Kalevala. It was a long time ago, but yeah, there, the, the gods and goddesses were so fascinating. There was a, um, I remember there was a blacksmith. Isn't there also a blacksmith in the, in the Norse?
1: Yes, absolutely.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So there was a lot of similarity there. It was also very different.
1: Yeah, it's very fascinating. You can't really, you know, there are correlations, but there are, like you said, a lot of differences. Um, In the Celtic tradition, you know, there's there's lots of fascinating characters there, and a lot of it has been overlaid on um by christianity uh you know which moved into these areas um in the middle ages uh, or the early middle ages and uh, you know you can't beat them you joined them so to speak so they would take the shrine or the image and christianize it you know there, there's uh, bridget saint bridget is um, really the ancient uh, bride uh, uh, which is the uh, Brigid, which is the um a celtic goddess right that was uh, you see a powerfully represented in uh, as the sort of head of tribes both in, in spain and and france and in and in britain um and so there's huge areas of, of of Britain in the ancient times, that were um, the Brigantes, for instance, were a, a strong tribe in, in northern Britain uh, who followed Brigga with a, a Brigitte. And uh, so, you know, this, this is fascinating. And now it's Saint Bridget and uh, some of the images, the holy water, the wells, and, and what she represents as light as well, the candles, uh, a sort of an overlay now in Christianity. So they, they keep. They keep renewing right the, the, even though there's a christian um overlay there's there's still that's that very ancient uh connection to 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 the primal and i i know you feel this way because you've been to various places where you've um, come across the what the black madonnas yes that represent those ancient uh, feminine uh it goddesses is, yeah.
0: yes uh, did a pilgrimage to Southern France, Mary Magdalene pilgrimage. And yes, we we did encounter um, some of the black Madonnas, but also we looked at the underpinnings of uh, Christianity, the foundations, and there were places where they have found temples to Isis underneath um, cathedrals in France. And also to Sophia, it it was uh, it was very fascinating
1: to Absolutely. To, yeah. to
0: to see how how the the oracles, the Greek oracles, were a part of Christianity at the very beginning, and then how they were erased. Yeah, so that's a um, a lot of what I picked up from from
1: the pilgrimage of course we have a, a lot of interest in the modern world in in sort of neopaganism right uh, whether we might call it wicca or other aspects um this idea you know the idea of earth religions basically um mm-hmm. i think there's been such a history you know in ecclesiastical history and christianity and possibly other religions where again morality and uh, dogma has become stronger than our connectedness right our connectedness to the numinous to the spiritual and and people are tired of it you know they want to get back to something again more more embodied and earthy um and uh, you know that i think that's a good sign in a way isn't it it's and i, I know i've noticed that um you know, Christianity has responded in some ways. There's been books written uh, with a connection to nature. There's been movements that are that are more honouring of the the sacred in in uh, the natural world. And, and that's encouraging. This whole church is, um, like Grace Cathedral, in, you know, in in um, San Francisco, and Saint John the Divine in New York, New York City, that honour uh, animals and plants and uh, and different. Um, Spiritualities and sexualities, right? So so that we're mm-hmm. we're not just uh, white male heterosexuals, you know. We're we're open to the feminine, to um, you know, gay, lesbian, etc. And and this I think is, is powerful and, and needed in our world. Yeah, we
0: we want an earth that is alive, yes, and vibrant. And um, I see myself as an earth healer and so i'll be going through an area and suddenly have a feeling you know that something happened somewhere and i'll just spontaneously come up with a prayer or or a visualization where i try to to heal that area even if i don't know what happened there sometimes a vision will come to me of what happened in a place and there are many, many, many earth healers now. Um, Starhawk, I think, is uh, is someone who is very important for showing us a way to become earth healers. And she's a she's a Wiccan,
1: right? And of course, you know, some people give it bad press, you know, or these people, they're Wiccans, they're witches or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they're in their broomsticks and whatnot. You know, there's there's still a lot of put down on that kind of spirituality, right? Because uh it, it's dismissed, right? And uh, but which is sad again because you know there's a lot of validity to these things. Um it's not just woo-woo, right? It's it's really it's really connecting to Um, energies and forces that are so needed in our world today you know we we've talked on the show before that COVID-19 is giving us this opportunity to stop and look right and we've noticed that uh, you know the CO2 emissions have dropped you know at least they did in April maybe changing again now we get we're back on the street and everything but um you know, Mother Nature's had a respite here, and and it shows that we can do this. We can lower levels if we're a little more mindful about how we use our technology. Um, and so, you know, I think it's, it's a time to to really address this. Uh, we, again, we we, talk, we heard about the you know the Green New Deal, and and uh, some people dismissed that as naivety or whatever but, but uh, it's it's indicative isn't it that it's it's often young people uh, sometimes teenagers like Greta Thunberg right mm-hmm. who are leading the change here not not again the, the people like me you know the privileged uh, white uh, you know anglo-Saxon Protestant type person um, so you know sometimes we need to look at uh, different ways different directions to to understand maybe that there's another way of doing things, you know, maybe that could be successful too. It's not a question of giving up our, our uh, lovely lifestyle, but maybe be more aware of how, how that's conveyed to us, right. How, how we conduct it. Uh,
0: Speaking of the, of the young people, I think they're very observant and they're very aware of what they're inheriting and what, they'll be passing on to their own children and they're and they're activists i love seeing that yes they're the, the when i've given young people opportunities to go into the woods or or into the prairie and to learn about what is there they love that they love learning about this world that they're living in and that wasn't that that wasn't true a generation ago
1: so so there's hope isn't there you know there
0: is hope there is hope
1: yeah you know i know you you, like you said you went on that pilgrimage The, the idea of pilgrimage is very ancient right um In in India, they've been um, on pilgrimage to holy sites and to holy rivers, you know, for millennia. And uh, in Christianity, there's been, you know, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem or the the very popular one now, the Camino to... um, uh, Santiago de Compostela. You know the the grave of Saint James there in northern Spain, um, and there are other pilgrimage routes. What what is it that's so special, do you think? About, and again, in 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 the Islamic tradition of the Hajj, going to Mecca once in a lifetime is considered to be highly um, fortuitous. So you know, what what is it about pilgrimage that's so attractive, do you think? Mm. I
0: have some stones on, on a path in my garden and with some sayings from people. There's one from Thich han and it says the path around our home is also the ground of awakening. And another says, pilgrimage unleashes synchronicity. <clears throat> there is There is so much that we get by using our bodies to walk, to walk on the earth, to connect on the the earth in that way. When I start out on a walk, it's usually, my, my mind is usually dominating the experience, but the farther I walk, I start to notice the world around me and the nature sparks curiosity and that leads to wonder and awe And soon, I'm in my heart and praising and feeling grateful and beyond that, contemplating eternity. And so, the act of walking itself is is one that changes us. And it can change the world, too. Whether it's just walking in our neighborhoods as so many people now are doing, or walking to a sacred site like the the stone in, in Mecca in Mecca. Or to Mary Magdalene's cave or to a shrine in the neighborhood. Um, pilgrimage and and pilgrimage then leads to creativity and that's how it changes the world because when we release those thoughts those constant thoughts that are repeating themselves over and over in our head the monkey mind we release it when we're walking the farther we walk the more creative we become there's something about that that you know left left foot right foot left foot right foot mm-hmm. and the arms swinging same thing, like when you're in the shower and you know you wash one side and you wash the other side, and and you're you've got crossover going on, and you solve a problem <laughs> that you've been trying to solve for for days and solve it in the shower. Um, yeah, so so there's that that body thing.
1: Yeah, very, a, very very eloquently yeah. put. I don't think we could have s- said it more more beautifully and poetically uh, about the. the the power of of just putting one foot in front of another and and the idea of pilgrimage. And I I love that. and I I love the idea that it doesn't have to be, you know, uh, a a set... pilgrim route um you know and whatever wherever we go we set out we're, we're on a pilgrimage right we're on that, we're on that journey i for one you know i'm not very clubbable i don't like to do things that everybody else is doing so um i, I don't think i could do the, the the camino because it's just become so popular now i was there last year in in the, in in the Santiago de Compostela, mm-hmm. uh, and saw all the p- pilgrims, and a lot of them do it just for exercise, not for a spiritual purpose. And I'm not judging them, but it's become a, a, a thing to do now. But I, I'm you. the one that would go the opposite direction, you know, because I'm ordinary, I guess. But the point remains, it's, uh, it's I'm still into the journey, you know, and, and um, doing the pilgrimage, because I felt I was on a pilgrimage to the mountains of... Um, Northern Spain when I was there last year with my wife and, and uh, it was deeply spiritual for me wandering in those mountains. Um, the, the Cantabrian mountains of Asturias, the just unbelievable place and they're so green, so much forest. and um, almost you're going back in time when you go up into those mountains. It's, it's, it remind me a little bit of the mountains in Wales where I grew up, so there was that correspondence as well. You know, another form of, of pilgrim route is, um, is the labyrinth, isn't it? We're, we're, it? we're not exactly going far, but we're going in, right? Where there's the spiral, there's the circle idea, again, of wholeness. And and a, a labyrinth takes you into the center and then brings you out. It's not like a maze where you're sort of wandering around aimlessly. There's an intentionality about a labyrinth, yes? Yes,
0: yeah, and there's you... You start out and you're very much in your mind, and and then you go through a period of, usually you go through a period of darkness, and come out into uh, transcendence when you reach the center, when you reach you reach the wisdom within yourself. It's uh, um, <laughs> I remember once I I led a, a labyrinth walk, and as soon as we started it a north wind came up really cold very cold and i could tell that the people that were were walking were cold and i was thinking i should maybe i should stop this maybe i should bring us all back in <laughs> but uh, a little voice said no no wait just wait and those people were changed by that labyrinth walk in mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful ways. They had beautiful experience because mm-hmm. their, the experience provided metaphors for them, lessons that they cherished.
1: I like the idea, too, that um, it takes a little effort to get into the center, right? It's not just... Mm-hmm. You know, you have to go around and around several times, um, and sometimes you seem to be getting near the centre, and then the path will take you back on the periphery again. You know, which is a bit like life, and then the, finally you get to the centre. And then you say, "Well, I'm at the centre. Maybe I've received something." Okay, let's get back. But it takes a while to get back to, to as well, right? To, to exit. So there, there's that time to contemplate what you think you've learned. You know, at the centre, and and I like that. So it's 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 a a helpful way of slowing you down, making you thoughtful, um, and saying, you know, it's not just given easily. You, you know, you have to really, uh, you know, integrate it a little bit. And and sometimes, like you said, the wind's going to blow, whatever. Um, we, we put in a labyrinth uh, at, at the church, didn't we? And um, mm-hmm. I know you facilitated many uh, walks around that labyrinth, but I always found that whole space there to be very uh, conducive to meditation and whether I was in the labyrinth or just on one of the stone benches you know enjoying the space there was a power power in that uh, in that labyrinth setting
0: or in watching someone else walk it that that too
1: yeah I love that experience Yeah. yeah and it was lovely you know spending time raking it and keeping it clean from, uh, weeds and things so that, so that it was a, a pure space, you know, um, and it had a lovely live Oak that came over it. And, uh, so, so it was, it, it was nestled in, in the, in the trees there, that was made it very special too.
0: With our hands and feet, we create sacred ground.
1: There we All go. There. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, you, before we finish um i want to discuss just a little bit we talked about in the break you know we need something that's lighthearted um in mm-hmm. our spirituality in our lives today because it gets awfully heavy sometimes we worry about covid 19 and the political response and you know where do we go from here etc uh you can't help but read some of the the fear that's out there on Facebook and other social media. Um, So there's this new religion, folks, um, that I like, and uh, it's called Dudeism, And uh, it's only been going for a few years, but I think now it says there's almost half a million dude priests, and it's the Church of the Latter-day Dude. And um, it's based on, on a film you may have seen called The Big Lebowski, and um, Jeffrey the Dude Lebowski is is a sort of a slacker, hipster kind of guy who um, likes white Russians. He likes bowling. He likes to take baths. But basically, he's a slacker, and he embodies a sort of a Taoist uh, lifestyle. You know, which is sort of easy. Uh, don't sweat it. Go with the flow. And so, Judaism is all about that. Lifting up. Um, Those ideas. And uh, it links also with um, transcendentalism and um, some of the teachings of the Greeks, uh, Epicurus and Heraclitus and uh, other people like that. And and so it's 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 saying just take a take a load off, you know, relax. I'm not sure we all want to become slackers um, or dudes but as as the saying goes, the dude abides, and uh, he abides just by being present to what is, and, and so that's attractive to me. I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you're about to become a, a dude at uh, Pat, are you?
0: <laughs> well, I think so. I'm I'm retired too, <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot to be said for for relaxing. Uh, so much comes out of it. I, I have like bursts of. Creative
1: energy because I rest. <laughs> yes, yeah, there we go. So you know, there's there's something to it that I like. It's, it's the idea of taking a load off. Don't get too heavy about everything. Um, it's it's you know, let live and let live mentality. Um, the the movie's quite funny because all kinds of strange things happen to the dude during the the uh, during the film, but he abides. he, get, he gets through it all. Um, and so, so we can learn something, something from that, so just, just to lighten up. So we're at the end of our eight-week series. I hope you've learned something about not just world religions, but how they tie into to the unity way of uh, approach to the five unity principles. It's been a fascinating uh, subject for me, uh, a student of world religions myself. I hope we've made sense and given some practical help uh, maybe there's a particular religion that you've uh, come across in our study that you thought mm, I want to find out more about that um, that resonates with me and that's going to help me understand unity a little more uh, deeply perhaps so so that's good if that's the the case um, or if it's just being educational that that's good that's good too um Pat if people want to get hold of you and and find out more about what you do do you have a a contact uh website or anything? What's what's the best way?
0: I don't have a website, I, but they can email me at pdorage at gmail dot com.
1: And that's D-O-R-R-A-J right? Yes, P doraj mm-hmm. Double R right. Very good. And again you can contact me at PauljohnRoats at Yahoo.com Um, And look at my website, pauljohnrhodes.com. Love to hear from you. Also got a a Facebook page on World Spirituality. Um, I'd love to get feedback, uh, what you thought of this series, and uh, ideas for the future. And so uh, please uh, be in touch, and let's have a dialogue around some of these wonderful, wonderful subjects. If there's one word that you would want to impart to our listeners today, Pat, what would it be?
0: Oh, walk barefoot. That's two words.
1: But <laughs> that, that's okay. You can have two. <laughs> Take your shoes off, right? And go, go out. Can you go outside?
0: Kiss the earth with your feet. Kiss yes. the
1: earth with your feet. All right. That's, that's excellent. Fits in very well with uh, exactly what we're talking about today and the embodiment of it. Um, and there's power, isn't there, when you do that, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. great advice. Next week, folks, actor and writer, um, Royce Kristen joins me. Uh, he, he's going to talk about his book called scripting the life you want manifest your dreams with just pen and paper scripting the life you want. So that should be interesting. Um, so, uh, tune in then right now. I want to say thank you, Pat, so much for being on the show today. You, you brought a very, um, sweet and poetic sensibility to to what we discussed thank you for that
0: thank you paul i loved having the opportunity it was a pleasure
1: excellent and thanks folks for tuning in to this show and all the other shows on uh, unity online radio we are the voice of an awakening world and uh, we're moving forward into june I know that's Pride Month, and so we'll be focusing many of our shows on on subjects around uh, pride and uh, gay and lesbian and other uh, rights and activities uh, that that are important to our world right now. Um, So I'll have a whole range of shows in June on interesting subjects. I hope you can join me. Uh, Until then, be safe and uh, continue to keep the high watch uh, we know we can get through anything. Uh, we'll remember to uh, stay centered in spirit and kiss the earth.
0: Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Sometimes you feel so alone and overwhelmed, you don't know where to turn.